Welcome back to another episode of Jake's Takes. My name is Jake. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of the podcast. Now, on this week's episode, we are going to be looking at the Boston Celtics and their play uh, playoff chances now that they have Evan Fournier and basically what could have happened this trade deadline and just kind of looking at the Celtics as a whole because of that. Then we're going to be looking at uh, the Lakers and um, a little bit on Kyle Lowry as just a whole and then the Lakers in terms of Kyle Lowry and everything else going on with uh, the Lakers in the deadline and then we'll be looking at the Brooklyn Nets and how they've fared so far this season all of the potential moves they made um, and almost made and just everything surrounding Brooklyn and their chances at success in the playoffs so we're going to start with Boston so the Boston Celtics were one of the handful of teams that were in several different rumors before the deadline many of those included Vucevic in Orlando and Aaron Gordon in Orlando and before the trade deadline it seemed like Aaron Gordon was the most talked about player and Boston was the most talked about spot and if you were reading the articles it sounded like that was where he was going to end up and the Celtics probably had a good chance um, at getting him seeing as he wouldn't cost as much as Vucevic, and most people thought Vucevic would be staying put. So Aaron Gordon was the most likely uh, piece getting moved with Isaac still there and Chuma Okiki. So um, he ended up going to Denver, but the Celtics had interest. And so as every year goes, more and more articles will come out days or a few uh, weeks after the deadline talking about what could have happened and all of the information involving trades that didn't happen and deals that were on the table that were not taken and we always learn new information on why things happened the way they did why this team was rumored to get a player and it ended up falling through and then he went somewhere else so the rumors uh, of Aaron going to the Celtics were true because the Celtics had interest but it seems like they were interested in trading a first round pick and a young player for Aaron Gordon which in my opinion, it had to be not one of their better young players. It had to be somebody who um, wasn't the greatest uh, young player because uh, many of these sources are saying that Orlando didn't want to go through the back and forth with Boston, and when Boston offered uh, their initial deal, my assumption is they didn't want to you know, throw a big-name uh, young player in there. I think Carson Edwards or Romeo Langford were probably the two guys that could have been thrown out there with a first round pick and maybe Orlando was like yeah this isn't a good package let's see what else is out there and when Denver put their offer um, they took that so I believe um, from a few articles uh, they said that the Celtics were in contact with Orlando but that kind of just stopped and then the deal involving um, Denver took place and with RJ Hampton being a young unproven point guard shooting guard mix um, and, you know, Gary Harris in the draft pick. My assumption is the Celtics didn't throw in as good of an offer because if they had, there would have been a deal done. And so the Celtics probably were trying to, you know, as Danny Ainge does, not give the best package. And I think Denver was like, we really want Aaron Gordon. We're going to throw you our best package right out the gate. And Orlando was like, I don't want to play this game with Boston. I'm taking the Orlando-Denver offer. So, um, yeah. Aaron Gordon could have probably been in Boston if they had thrown their best offer out there. Um, but as Danny Ainge does, offers um, are always lower, and he always tries to get the better deal. 
Vucevic was another player that at one point people said he was going to Boston. He was going to a bunch of different spots. He ended up going to Chicago, which was a big surprise. And my assumption on that one is uh, two first-round picks and um, Marcus Smart was probably what they were looking for because um, Wendell Carter Jr. is a good young player, which unfortunately the Celtics and their young players outside of Tatum and Brown don't have anyone near that, I think. Tatum and Brown are 100% off the table, but the Celtics don't have a Wendell Carter Jr. to throw in there. Grant Williams, Robert Williams, all these young guys are good, just not that level yet. And I think Robert Williams is your closest, you know, to that Wendell Carter Jr. level. But, you know, the Celtics probably didn't want to throw him in. And so, again, the Celtics might have had conversations with Orlando on Vucevic. And, you know, maybe they didn't want to make that happen. Um, the Celtics probably, because they uh, needed to get rid of about 4 or $5 million, were going to have to throw in um, Tristan Thompson into a deal just because... To get the salaries to work, they were at a hard cap of $20 million. Getting rid of um, Tristan Thompson means that they could have used all of their trade exception, $28.5 million, and then they could have easily slid um, Vucevic into there along with um, trading away some young guys and draft picks. Um, I'm guessing the Celtics offer was not nearly as good as the Chicago one, or else we would have probably heard more on that, and maybe it would have actually gotten done. So the Celtics went for basically the third banana in this situation, which was Evan Fournier, which they 100% hit it out of the park, getting him for two second-round picks, which Fournier is going to help them a lot in the playoffs, either as your starting shooting guard or as your bench six-man. Um, I guess it all depends on how they do with Smart. Um, and Kemba and Fournier, I think you'll if Kemba gets hurt, you'll see Smart and Fournier in the starting lineup. If you know all three are healthy, then we could see in certain situations Kemba and Evan Fournier, and then maybe if they want to restrict minutes, they could do Marcus Smart and Fournier. So I like the Fournier pick pickup, but I do believe that in theory he just um, is sort of that consolation prize because they wanted Aaron Gordon and Vucevic which would have helped so much more they ended up getting um, a player that while he will help is not what their initial need was they've had a ton of needs at the big man position for years now and since Al Horford left that's been an open spot and you know everyone thought they were going to get Aaron Gordon or they were going to get Vucevic or someone John Collins John Collins I don't think was even talked about at all um, and didn't even get moved anyways. No rumors, no nothing. So he must have not even been on the table. But, um, you know, the Celtics just missed on two guys they could have had. And Danny Ainge, like I said, always goes for the best deal. And the deal that's going to make him a winner. Danny Ainge, in however many trades he's done, most of the big ones, he's been the winner or close to the winner in every single case. Maybe the Kyrie deal is still up in the air. Um, just a little bit. The Jeff Green deal um, with um, Kendrick Perkins, a lot of people say he lost that deal, but in the end they got a first-round pick out of Jeff Green. So if you want to look at it as uh, you know trading and getting a first-round pick for Kendrick Perkins, that's a pretty, pretty good deal in itself. Um, but it's just one of those things where the Celtics and Danny Ainge can't go into a deal, make a deal where they're 
breaking even or fair trades they have to go above and beyond and maybe teams don't like that and maybe now you know with all the moves they've made and all the situations they've had it's a it's one of those things where teams don't want to give up extra whereas maybe before they would have kind of um you know dropped their price a little bit the celtics you know in every situation try to win and i think teams know that and so you know they don't always want to go out and make these big moves because they don't believe they would win these deals and so you know the celtics missed out on two guys that were probably better fitting for their needs than fournier i mean you can't complain with a th uh, three-point shooting wing um who can come off the bench or start like fournier but aaron gordon was the prize that they were looking at and vucevic and they just didn't you know get either of those guys and my guess is the packages that they were throwing out there weren't good enough for Orlando, and so they ended up, uh, you know, trading Vucevic to Chicago and trading um, Denver Aaron Gordon. So um, at this point, it's one of those situations where the Celtics probably had a shot, but they didn't. And so I feel like every trade deadline, we hear the same situation, the same story. There are a bunch of rumors, big names. The Celtics are interested. The Celtics um, fan base knows this. The articles are written beforehand about these guys who the Celtics are interested in. There's usually about four or five different articles posting trades that uh, would make sense for the Celtics involving a certain player. And in the end, they usually don't get that guy or really anyone. 2015 was the last time they made a deadline trade, which was Isaiah Thomas for uh, Marcus uh, Thornton in a first-round pick, which obviously they won out big on that one. But in terms of the situation um, up to now, they've been in a lot of rumors and deadline rumors and just nothing comes of it. And at the end, we get articles about, oh, they were interested in this guy and it didn't happen. They were interested in that guy and this was the offer, but it didn't work. And so the Celtics tend to be in a lot of rumors and... Every year they say, oh, we're going to get someone, we're going to do this, and then at the end it turns out they just don't make those moves and they don't get the guy that they're looking for. And either that guy gets traded or he doesn't even get moved, and we have a few articles that come out saying, okay, Celtics had interest, this is what they were throwing out there, and it wasn't enough. So eventually Danny Ainge is going to have to, you know, concede a little bit if he wants to make this team better, and he's going to have to make the hard moves, right? Every time... I've read articles um, talking about Danny Ainge. They say he loves his team and he doesn't want to move on from these guys. And every media um, appearance he has, a lot of them on 98.5 The Sports Hub, where they talk about Celtics and a bunch of other Boston sports. And Danny will usually come on every now and again and talk about the Celtics. He always says he loves his team and that, oh, we haven't got enough minutes with our, our starting group and our core of players hasn't played together because of Kemba's injury and this and that. It sounds like he doesn't like making moves unless he has to. And this year, especially, the team is not as good as expected. And he needed to make a move, but it just didn't seem like it was the right move. Um, and that they probably should have made something a little bit better that could have, in theory, helped out uh, their team in the defensive end and offensive end of either the power forward or center position. Yes. They traded Tyson, they added Mo Wagner and Luke Cornett, who could be good role players for the Celtics. Obviously, Robert Williams has been surprisingly getting better and better. 
I don't know if he will ever be a starting level center who can compete on a championship team, but he is growing uh, and is doing much better. I think, um, you know, those players coming in, Wagner and Cornette, will just be role players off the bench. But the Celtics definitely should have addressed their big man position. They tried to go after Andre Drummond, uh, and I'll talk about a little bit afterwards the Lakers and what uh, is going on there. At their deadline, they ended up getting Drummond, even though the Celtics put the full court press on. Um, but they just, year after year, are in a bunch of rumors and nothing comes of it. You know, they barely make any deadline moves, and they have for years been missing out on the right players in, in theory. Um, just things haven't worked in their favor. And I will say, in let's just use Kyrie as an example, things didn't go the right way. Kyrie had this, um, you know, Derrick Rose rule situation with Anthony Davis, which I'm pretty sure if there was a way for the Celtics to keep uh, Kyrie in trade for Anthony Davis during the the trade deadline of his um, deadline year where um, Del Demps didn't want to make any moves with the Lakers. I think the Celtics could have thrown something out there and could have got Anthony Davis if, you know, Kyrie could have stayed in Boston and it would have, the Derrick Rose rule would have worked. Then maybe he would have got traded to Boston and maybe Boston would have kept Kyrie around and they would have kept Anthony Davis and then there would have been uh, Gordon Hayward and there probably would have been Al Horford would have stayed as well. And so you would have had in theory, one of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown with Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, Anthony Davis, and Kyrie. And I think maybe that would have been where the Celtics were at this point. But every deadline, it seems like it's the same story. Oh, they didn't go after this guy. And they tried to make a trade, but it wasn't good enough. And so, as a Celtics fan, it can get frustrating because you just want your team to succeed. And if you think that they need to make moves, which I think most Celtics fans were in that category... Seeing Danny Ainge time and time again just stand pat doesn't make the most sense. And so, for me, I was frustrated with the offseason because they didn't do anything of note. And the two guys that they added um, in free agency, one of them's just playing god-awful. And one of them got traded at the deadline um, to Orlando. And so, Jeff Teague's gone. And Tristan Thompson was a waste of $9 million. And so, the Celtics, I like Fournier, but again... They could have got someone better in um, Aaron Gordon or Vucevic, and they just didn't want to meet the asking price. And maybe down the line, you know, that'll be where, um, you know, they made the right choice, and maybe, you know, Vucevic takes a turn for the worst, and things don't work out for him, or Aaron Gordon doesn't do as good as expected, and so this could be a blessing in disguise. But, you know, it always seems to um, be that they are interested in players, they make offers that aren't good enough, and then we get news after the deadline about what didn't happen and what could have happened. They chose not to pony up and give the best offer. Now, let's go to the Lakers. So the Lakers were very quiet on deadline day despite being the front runner or one of the front runners for Kyle Lowry. And there were three teams interested in Kyle Lowry. Philadelphia was one of them, Miami was the other, and then the Lakers and it seemed like Philadelphia was the front runner, but the offers um, that the Raptors wanted from Philly included both um, Tyrese Maxey and included Diebold plus two first-round picks. And I think Philly was in the Tyrese Maxey two first-round pick discussion 
keeping Thibault off the table. And that ended up ruining the deal. And then they went and acquired George Hill, who was probably their safety option. Because they're like, okay, we could trade a couple seconds to get George Hill. We know that OKC likes draft picks. If we can't get Kyrie, we'll, we'll try that. And so that's where I think they went in it was sort of their backup. We then get the Miami Heat, who in the Kyle Lowry sweepstakes basically wanted to trade away Duncan Robinson, but the Toronto Raptors wanted Tyler Hero. And, you know, it was one of those situations where Miami was like, well, we don't really want to do that if um, you have to throw in Tyler Hero. And for Miami, it worked out in their favor because they got Victor Oladipo for basically nothing. And he's going to help them a ton. So maybe they wouldn't have gotten Oladipo if Kyle Lowry came in. Maybe they would have, and they just would have had Kyle Lowry and Oladipo playing um, together with this group, which would have been insanely good. But um, they chose uh, against trading Hero, and that meant no Kyle Lowry. And then we get the Lakers, who seemed like they were the last option. And most of the deals involved KCP and Dennis Schroeder for Kyle Lowry. And the sticking point of all of this is Talon Horton Tucker. The Lakers didn't want to trade their young small forward, who's having a pretty decent season. He's a restricted free agent for Kyle Lowry, which is a little bit of a head-scratcher. Um, I think Talon Horton Tucker's been improving, but is he worth keeping around if you can get an all-star point guard who, in my opinion, makes you legitimate contenders and the favorites uh, in the Western Conference? I don't think they're the favorites right now. You know, Clippers are good. Phoenix is playing great. Utah's the best team in the West. If they had gotten Kyle, uh, Kyle Lowry, they would have been, odds are, the best favorite. Kyle Lowry, Anthony Davis, and LeBron, that's amazing. Plus Montrez Harrell. Um, and so for uh, the Lakers, they didn't make that deal because Talon Horton Tucker was not involved, which imagine having Talon Horton Tucker gone and KCP and Schroeder for Kyle Lowry and then having a starting lineup of Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry, LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Andre Drummond, who would eventually sign in um, the buyout market with the Lakers. That's an insanely good group. Um, and in theory, you know, your team would have been so much better um, if you had Lowry in there. This makes me um, question the Lakers' decision-making on this one. It also makes me question the value of Kyle Lowry because... If your best offer was Dennis Schroeder, KCP, and Talon Horton Tucker, um, is there really a market for Kyle Lowry? I think, as we saw with Victor Oladipo, there wasn't a big market for him. And basically they took whatever offer came up in the end because they probably shopped him around and got nowhere or didn't like the offers being thrown out. And at 3 o'clock they had to do something because they're like, he's just not going to come uh, back uh next year so we just gotta you know make the best offer available which at that point was um was uh miami so uh with the kyle lowry situation their team uh the lakers should have uh traded talon horton tucker gotten kyle lowry and gone from there um and so at that point um you know the lakers didn't do anything um except add andre drone which i think he helps a lot and i'm you know a big fan of his game and I think he's undervalued for sure because he's a double-double guy he's always in the all-star game conversation despite not being an all-star and there is a chance that um, he 100% makes the Lakers better 
than what they have right now. And, you know, Anthony Davis and Andre Drummond's a good, you know, power forward center combination. And I think, you know, they're going to be a good team come playoff time. And, you know, if they had added Kyle Lowry, I thought they'd be a lot better. But they're still, you know, one of the teams that's going to be competing for a championship uh, and at least competing to make the, the NBA Finals out of the West. Now we're going to move to the Brooklyn Nets and their situation and how I think the Brooklyn Nets are the favorites to win the NBA championship. So Brooklyn has made a lot of great moves. The first one came when they traded away a bunch of draft picks and good pieces for um, James Harden. And now that Victor Oladipo has gotten moved, it seems like we know what the end result of the Houston deal was which basically was a bunch of first-round picks, a couple of pick swaps, and then um, Dante Exum, uh, DJ Augustine, DJ Wilson, as well as now Kelly Olenek and um, Avery Bradley, which Bradley could get released and bought out. Same with Kelly Olenek. That's a terrible, terrible trade for an all-star in James Harden. But Brooklyn got the better player, and their starting lineup is amazing now with him in it plus Kyrie, plus Kevin Durant. And so when the situation took place and James Harden was traded, a lot of people thought that they still had a lot of holes, uh, myself included, at the center position because they had, at this point, DeAndre Jordan, who's a shell of his former self in Los Angeles, and they also had Claxton, who gets hurt and is young and has a lot of upside and potential, but eventually just will... Um, you know, be a role player um, and a backup at, you know, its highest level for him. And so they expected the Brooklyn Nets during the trade deadline to add a big man, someone that could fill that position and help out DeAndre Jordan. And they didn't make any more trades, but they did add two guys in the buyout market who, in theory, will help them so much more. So they basically added, in my opinion, their starting power forward in their starting center with Blake Griffin coming in and with LaMarcus Aldridge. And so now you have a group of guys who, at this point in their career, are very, very good. Um, some of those guys are a little bit older and are kind of on the tail end of their, um, their careers, but they're still good. And so, looking at your new starting lineup, you have Kyrie Irving at point guard, who has seven All-Star game appearances. And then you have LaMarcus Aldridge, who has seven All-Star game appearances. He's your starting center. You have Kevin Durant, who, for uh, Kevin Durant, he has 11 All-Star game appearances. And then, uh, for Blake Griffin, there is six All-Star game appearances, and James Harden has nine 40 total All-Star Game appearances between your five uh, potential starters when it comes to the playoffs, your core group. So that's your starting group. You also have Bruce Brown off the bench, Nicholas Claxton, who's uh, been playing uh, very good as of this season. You have Jeff Green, who is always a good veteran role player. You have Joe Harris, who's a great three-point shooter, who could be a starter, who could come off the bench. You have DeAndre Jordan, and you have Landry Shamet when he's healthy. is a good three-point shooter, so you have your starting lineup, plus you have um, Bruce Brown, Landry Shamet, um, Joe Harris, you have Jeff Green, 
and you have DeAndre Jordan off the bench. The Brooklyn Nets at this point, with everybody healthy, everybody playing at the level they should be, is easily the favorites, in my opinion, to be champions in the NBA. That's just 100% the truth. Their team is the best, start to finish, top to bottom. And they got rid of guys such as um, Jared Allen, and they got rid of, you know, guys such as Karius LeVert, who were big parts of their role uh, playing group, and added in just guys off the buyout market. They also have one more roster spot, which I don't know if they're going to use it, and I don't know if there's any buyout candidates who potentially could make sense. But if, for example, Avery Bradley becomes a free agent and he gets released by his team, which is now the Houston Rockets, there is a chance that he could be in the mix and come on as a another player, potentially taking the place at this point of Landry Shamit, who's injured. Uh, but having him as a great defensive player, Bruce Brown as a great kind of offensive player at the guard position off the bench, that would be so much better for um, their team and just everything overall. And so, yes, uh, this team looks so much better. This team is legitimately a contender and the favorites in my opinion in the east in all of basketball just because they have the pieces and yes a lot of things have to go right if you look at their starting lineup outside of Lamarck Saldridge James Harden Kyrie Durant and Blake Griffin all get hurt very easily and so some of those guys could be out significant uh, minutes um, and games for their playoff run but the good thing is you have such a great starting group and a, such a great bench that if, for example, Kevin Durant has to miss a few games, you still have guys who can fill in and can play those positions and still keep them competitive, right? Because you have Kyrie and Durant, if James Harden is out for a little bit, you're still going to be good. If Blake Griffin is out, you still have pieces to make it work. So they're just so great top to bottom with depth that... You know, some teams, if you have injuries, it causes, you know, your team to spiral a little bit. But the way Brooklyn is, they got enough players where they can make up for those losses and can still be competitive. And so, yeah, Brooklyn's a great team. Brooklyn's got a lot of talent, and, you know, they just look so good. And I'm honestly, you know, a big fan of how things have turned out for them this season. And I think they are the favorites, in my opinion, to win a championship. And so... um Yes, they didn't make any deadline moves in terms of trading players away, adding players in through trades. They added free agents who were bought out, um, and Lamarck Saldridge was their big pickup. So um, I am a fan of their moves, and things are looking good, you know. Now they got Steve Nash as a head coach, things are heading in the right direction. And with this group, Steve Nash does not have to worry about basketball. He has to worry about keeping these egos in place because Blake Griffin... Kyrie, James Harden, and uh, Kevin Durant are all big ego guys, and that's going to be a lot harder of a thing to take care of um, because they can all play basketball, and that's something we know. He's just going to make sure they're all kind of fitting in line together, and um, everything else will get taken care of on its own.